good to see the good crowd we have, and, and uh, we really feel blessed with the good singing that we've had. Appreciate that very much, and uh, wonderful prayer that we've had worded in our hearing. I hope the teaching this evening will be the kind that we can draw some things from that will help us in our endeavor to to live and to walk a Christian Christian life. Uh, don't know uh, whether I'm going to be able to see that back there, so I'm going to, if I get in your way, just say, bud, move out of my way, will you? We'll allow you to do that. <clears throat> We're going to talk about choices and decisions tonight a little bit. All of us make those, and we make them oftentimes without thinking. Uh, many times they'll, uh, uh, they're, they're okay, they're fine, and a lot of times they're the kind of choices or kind of decisions that we make that get us into a lot of trouble that we don't realize until later on down the line. And uh, we've got a lot of younger people here today. Don't think that I'm doing this to target you because this is, a, this is something that we all have a challenge with. It's something that we all need to work on and, and need to remember. But that's what we're going to be talking about. Talking about following God is and always has been a matter of choice. And we need to understand that. And uh, there's nothing that's that's going to, uh, I'm not going to share anything or bring up anything that will point out uh, any different than that. We go back to the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were placed in the Garden of Eden, God blessed them with the right of choice to choose to do what he said or to choose to do their own will if that's uh, what he chose to do. When we look at the Law of Moses, Joshua chapter 24, 14 through 15, now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and truth. and Put away the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood and in Egypt. And serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, then choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which were your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord uh, I think we're probably, most of us, pretty familiar with this statement. Some of you may have it on a plaque or something in your home. You know, I think Margaret's got something like that. But notice what he says. Choose. And that's up to us. And it was up to them in this particular case as they came into uh, the promised land. And uh, Joshua conveyed that to them. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 and 30, a passage we all are very familiar with. Come unto me, all Jesus speaking. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come unto me. It's our choice. Take my yoke. Again, it's our choice. And a lot of times we see people in our family. We see people that we work with people we go to school with, people we're concerned about, and we would like to do or say something, push that magic button that would cause them to be able to be what we feel like they need to be. And I'm, <laughs> I promise you, I'm no different. I, I, I wish I had that kind of power, but we don't. God didn't create us that way. He didn't create man that way. And Jesus accepts that creation and accepts the fact that we uh, are right, have the right to make our own choices. Matthew chapter 16, 24, Jesus again says unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. If any man will, it's up to us, our choice, our will. Of course, God desires that we make the right choice. 
So everyone, and this is what we'll be focusing on tonight, that makes a decision in the area of right and wrong makes it on the basis of certain propositions that are characteristic of his or her level of behavior. Isn't that a nice statement? I don't know if I worked on that and come up with that or if I copied that from, from a book. I don't know, but I like it. Don't you? Don't you think that's about right? Everyone who makes a decision in the area of right and wrong makes it on the basis of certain propositions that are characteristic of his or her level of behavior. And that's what we're going to be focusing on here tonight. And one, everyone falls in one of four levels, and maybe, uh, maybe more than one, different aspects of it. Let's look at the levels of, of behavior where, where decisions are made in the area of right and wrong. The natural level, that's what we're going to start out with. We have uh, some youngsters here tonight. This is people who decide everything according to the natural impulses, natural drives, natural instincts. We've got some youngsters here that, uh, and some babies. What happens to a baby whenever they get hungry? They cry, don't they? And they you know, it's just a natural response that they have. They get hurt, they cry. And that's, that's kind of what I'm referring to here. It's, it's natural with us. But not all decisions that, uh, that are made based on this level are bad. A lot of them are. And if we don't grow out of that, and many people do not, our prisons are full of them. If we do not grow out of that, then that's where, we, that's where we're going to have problems and have difficulties. <clears throat> Most decisions on this level are focused on ourself, on me, and what will profit me or how I will be benefited. Remember what Jesus said, if any man will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself. So that's the problem. The idea is if it feels good, you do it. The belief that the greatest good in life is personal pleasure. Now, a lot of people feel that way. A lot of grown men feel that way. Grown women that feel that way. That's lived their whole life. They feel like that the greatest good in life is personal pleasure. Not only that, many people teach that very principle. That that's what you need to go for. That's what you need to strive for is the good. God intended for you to feel good and for life to be pleasant for you. And so oftentimes that's the case. <clears throat> the idea. Second Thessalonians 3, 10 and 11. Apostle Paul here speaking about those who are not working and not carrying their part. He said, For when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. For we hear that there are some which walk among you disorderly, working not at all, but are busybodies. So obviously, amongst the Christian community that they had there at that time, there were those people that just refused to work. They just were going to take... Maybe they were expecting the Lord to come back any time, so they, there was no need for them to work. But the idea that I see from this is, is possibly that all they cared about was himself and their own personal gain. First John chapter 2, 15 through 17. Probably familiar, most of us are familiar with this. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes... And the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 
and the world passeth away, and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. These are the things right here that draw us away. It was Adam and Eve's problem in the Garden of Eden. Uh, that's what the devil used to, it was mentioned in our prayer, how the devil will use whatever technique that he can to attract us or to get to us. And uh, he'll, he'll apply, he'll, he'll approach one of those three ways right there. Did with Jesus whenever he was tempted after fasting 40 days and 40 nights. This is the area where Satan tempted him. <clears throat> so it's something that we deal with. The love of the world is, is uh, not conforming, uh, excuse me, the love of the world is known as conforming to the world. Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Not conform. Be transformed. Be changed. Don't sleep. You can see over me, right? Yeah? Okay. I feel self-conscious. feel like I'm blocking you. And I sure don't want to block you, you know. It's a choice. And it's our choice whether we're going to do the right thing or not. Okay? All, and if we operate on that level, uh, we're going to make a lot of mistakes and life's going to be miserable. I said a while ago that prisons are full of people like this. And, of course, there are a lot of people that are in correctional institution that possibly are there because of choices that other people have made that they got caught up in. I don't know. But many times, many times, the people that I've worked with and dealt with that have problems and have had difficulties in their life are, have those difficulties, and they are there because of choices that they've made. And many times they knew when they made them that they was making a bad choice. Margaret and I have been dealing with a couple at home, and it's getting kind of frustrating. Uh, one says one thing, one says another. These are people that's a, that have brought the church into this situation and created a problem. But the whole deal is they've made bad choices. The man's made bad choices. His wife, or she, they've divorced now. But she's made bad choices as well. And we can just see, see this over and over and over again. So the natural level of behavior, it has its place in our growth and development early on. It's the thing that keeps us from uh, falling into situations that can be harmful to us to run away. I walk up on a rattlesnake. What are you supposed to do when you walk up on a rattlesnake? What do you do, Dusty? You come from rattlesnake country. I know what I did whenever it would happen with your granddad. I backed away real slow, and your granddad ran after it and stomped on it with his head and killed it. <coughs> anyway, back to, back to the deal. Those are things that, that we see that, that can be helpful and beneficial to us. But by and large, you see that many times when we make decisions just simply based on this level of behavior, we're going to make bad decisions or decisions that's going to be harmful to us, oftentimes our family. Then we go to the social level of behavior. <clears throat> this is where decisions are based on what society thinks, what everyone else is doing. The fads that we have, such as jewelry, tattoos, etc. How many things do we see that's changed in this world? I remember one time we had a, uh, we had a, y'all have a school code? Did y'all have a school code where you went to school? Did you? We didn't have that back in the 50s. Yeah, I'm that old. 
we didn't have have a uh, have a code like that. But uh, our uh, new superintendent decided that it was not good that the boys wear jeans without a belt. So and this is the little old farm community. We were all just old farm farm boys. And so he put out a decree that everybody would wear wear uh, a belt. If you had trousers, jeans, whatever they were, and you went to school and, and uh, uh, it had loops, you were required to put a belt on because it looked you didn't look dressed if you didn't do that. So uh, being the nice, rebellious student that I was, I went home and this is terrible to tell you all. But anyway, I went home, and I thought, you know, I don't want to do that. And I didn't have any belts anyway. We were poor. So after considerable thought, I took a razor blade and cut the loops off of my jeans. Well, naturally, I'm called in on the spot right off the bat. And I said, well, it doesn't have loops on. Well, you know what kind of trouble I was in with him. But you know what that did? About a week or two of this, and every boy in that school had cut the lips, loops off their jeans. Only thing where I was a pace setter. But you see what happens? That's, that's what we're talking about here, what other people are doing. Uh, look at the hairdo, hairstyles, the way they've changed. Uh, now, we go back and look at some of the annuals that we had and some of the pictures. Uh, a lot of you are too young to remember this couple, but some of you do. Uh, Truman and Stella Teal. Uh, dear friends of ours, and uh, you got a kick out of looking at some of the pictures of them back when Truman began preaching the gospel, and this was back in the very early 50s, and the hairstyle that, uh, not Truman, he never had much hair, but, but uh, Stella would have, and it, it was way up high on her head and all, you know. But those things change, you see. But oftentimes it's because of what the majority says, the democracy approach, if you will. Advertising appeals to this level of behavior. Uh, but things change over time. Peer pressure, social pressure is probably the greatest single pressure that people face today, young or old. What everybody else is doing, I don't want to be left out. Well, God understands this. And from the very beginning of dealing with us through law, he has pointed out that we shouldn't follow a multitude to do evil. Not to follow a multitude to do evil. And that's a, t- that's a tendency that people have, you know. Everybody else is doing it. Can't be that wrong. Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate. For wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Many there be that go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Straight gate. Why? The broad gate is, is why many people will go in, they'll find it, and, and uh, few that will uh, enter into life. Okay? Get the idea? This is not something that's new that we're talking about. It's something that's been a challenge for man from the very beginning. First Peter chapter 4, reading from the New King James Verses 1 through 4, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, 
arm yourself likewise also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh for the lust of men, but of the will of God. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles, when we walked in lewdness, lust, drunkenness, revelings, drinkings, drinking parties, and abominable idolatries. In regard to these things, they think it's strange that you do not run with them, speaking evil of you. And that happens. I don't care what age bracket that we fall in. That's, that's going to happen every time. People are going to think you're weird. People think you're odd if you do not go along with what everybody else is doing. And consequently, oftentimes, that's going to lead us into things that we shouldn't do. This is true in the church community. It's true in our congregations. It's true in our brotherhood. It's something that we constantly have to watch about and be careful for. The social level of behavior, what everybody else is doing. And it's not something that any of us are immune from. Need to be careful with. <clears throat> Moral level. By the way, let me just back up here just a little bit before I get away from this. We've, uh, it's been mentioned, I say a few things, maybe I, people had the idea I need to say more than I probably will, about addiction. How do we get into addiction? And what are some of the things a person can be addicted to? They can be addicted to drugs. They can be addicted to alcohol. By the way, they can be addicted to just about anything. Okay? So addiction is something that we have a problem with. That's one of the reasons the things that we're talking about tonight, these things that right here that have to do with the choices that we make, are so very, very important. In the area of drugs, for example, there's so many things that if you get involved in those things and get involved into them early, you become... I'll be honest with you, I really don't like the word addiction, but you'll, be, you'll get to the point where you're drawn into those things. You'll have a, a desire to embrace those things. It'll, it'll pull on your, on your, uh, your, your own self, and uh, it, it'll be awfully hard to back away from those. The more you get involved in those things that are not appropriate or not right for us to be involved in. A person might drink a few drinks, and it may not, well, you know, most alcoholics that uh, end up on Skid Row that really, really have a problem, you know how long it took for them to ever really become to a point where, where it was hard for them to say no to the next drink? It took years and years and years for that to happen. It started out in a very casual way. You know, let's go get a beer, let's go get a drink, or let's go to the club or whatever. And, and it starts out in a very gradual way. And little by little, the person that makes those choices to do those things uh, begins to find out that, you know, for a few minutes, this drink or drinks that I might engage in is going to deaden the pain that I feel. And it will. It will. Uh, It won't deaden it for long, but it'll deaden it for a little bit. It'll still be there the next day with a more problems to come with it. But then what happens oftentimes? Then the person says, well, you know, it helped for a little bit, so I'll try it again. And then they're eased. And then it continues on. See the problem? And I'm t- now, my dad was an alcoholic. I, I know what he battled. I know what he dealt with. 
I've had uh, four cousins that we grew up with. They were like my brothers. Three of them were boys. One of them was girls. She was like uh, my sister. And three of those, four, died of alcoholism. And every one of them got into it in a very gradual way and just kind of drifted. And that's what happens to us. And it happens on this level oftentimes. It may start down on the natural level, but then as we get a little older, then we want to fit in. And it just seems natural, if you will, for us to try to fit in. Then there's another level of behavior where the decisions in regards to right and wrong uh, we might call the moral level. This is where uh, we uh, we make decisions uh, not by a natural instinct or not necessarily by what's going on around us, by what others are doing, but by our conscience. Some of the things that we might think about. These are people who care about the community they live in, what, what's around them. And if they have an opportunity or a way that they might want to change that, they want to get involved in it. My wife, for example, and is a volunteer and deeply involved in the American Cancer Society. Works awfully hard to try to bring attention to that particular problem and uh, disease that exists in the world. I have a daughter-in-law that works for that agency, a daughter that works for that agency. So our family is really caught up in that. And in, in doing that, we run across and run into a lot of people that don't go to church. God's not in place in their life. But they feel very strongly about the cause. And they will do whatever they can to help bring attention to the particular problem uh, that we have in our society in regards to uh, the problem with cancer and for the need for research and so forth. Giving blood. You know, Margaret and I give blood. Or used to. I have to kind of hog tie her to keep her from going anymore because she doesn't handle it too well anymore. But she's probably given no telling how many gallons of blood over the years. Why does she do that? Because she's such a strong spiritual person? Well, she is. But that's not why she does that. She does it because it's, it's, it's just good. It's a good thing to do. And a lot of people down at the blood bank that come and are participate in that are good people, and they're not spiritual in any way at all. But they see the importance of doing that. So that's what we're talking about here. Some people are Christians and some are not. <clears throat> some of the examples of uh, the moral convictions that we have in the Bible, we talked about uh, this last evening is what I based our study on. I don't know if the centurion that we discussed last evening I don't know if this centurion that Jesus identified and says, I've not seen such, such great a faith, no, not in Israel, uh, as this Roman soldier has, because he did. But whether or not it was because of a, a spiritual belief or not, we don't know. It's just that he believed that Jesus could help his servant, and he cared about his servant. Uh, the Good Samaritan that we read about in Luke chapter 10 all of us probably are familiar with the Samaritan about how the priest and the Levite went by. And here comes the Samaritan. Was the Samaritan a religious guy? Did he go to a synagogue? Did he participate in worshiping to God or worshiping God in keeping with the law? No evidence that he did. But what happened whenever he saw the fellow that had fallen among thieves? He looked at him and he said, you know, here's a guy <laughs> that's in a bad situation. I could have been like that, you know. 
Bible says he had compassion on him. He had strong feelings about the situation that he was in. And so as a result of that, excuse me, I hadn't got there yet. As a result of that, he was willing to help him. You see, that's what we're talking about here, okay? Uh, okay, I think I've got that good enough. Let's go on. Spiritual level. Now, that's where we're going to get to. That's where we're all concerned about. This is where we want to make the right kind of decisions. And this is where the <clears throat> it gets a little challenging sometimes. And I hope <laughs> I hope I don't offend anybody or, or but I got the floor so you don't have to deal with it. So it's a level that's not based not based on a complete list of what one must do and must not do. And I know that not everybody agrees with that necessarily, but I do not believe that our spiritual relationship to God through Jesus Christ in the church today is based that way. I think there's a great danger there, really, to be honest with you, of not being as spiritual as we need to be. Okay? Now, it's based upon our decision to glorify the Lord with the choices that we make. We talked about, and I just made a, a small reference to addiction a while ago. And the people that I've worked with, and I haven't worked with a lot, but those that I have, that have found themselves, if you will, addicted to a chemical or to alcohol, those that have been benefited, I'm going to tell you right now, it's been a battle for them. It's been a struggle. But they've recognized what their weakness is, and they've recognized that it's up to them to make the right kind of choices, and they begin to make those kind of choices. But so many times, the ones we find is, well, and they want to pass the blame somewhere else. They want to pass the blame back on the social. It was the people that I was around. It was the situation I found myself in. My grandmother used to say this about my daddy. He was in prison twice. County jails a lot because of his drinking problem, because of his drunkenness is basically what it was. And my grandmother used to have this philosophy, if we could just get Eugene, that's my daddy, was my daddy, he's dead now, if we could just get Eugene away from this crowd. In 1956, we moved our farm, my grandparents moved our farm from where we were at, up around Yukon, Oklahoma, down around Wayne, Oklahoma, to a place back in the woods that was so grown up, I didn't think we'd ever get the Johnson grass and crapgrass hoed out. Don't know that we ever did. But that's where we moved to. And it wasn't, it was something that wasn't, it was a challenge for my grandparents. <clears throat> but I remember my grandmother saying this. This is, this is, this is a way that God can bless our lives. This is a way that we can turn things around for Eugene. Because when he comes, because he lived with us, when we move down here, he'll be around a different crowd. He won't have those old drinking buddies up there. What do you think happened? It wasn't very long. He knew every drinking buddy in town. Every one of them. I ended up preaching uh, in the county seat there, just seven miles from where we were living. I ended up preaching this guy's uh, funeral, and he was the town drunk. And my dad was one of his drinking buddies, and he found him. 
And I told my grandmother one time, I said, Grandmother, I said, it's not the crowd, it's Daddy. He looks out the crowd. He wants the crowd. He wants to do that, see? Now, I'm going to use this. I'll, I'll just, uh, how, many, how many of I went by here? Okay. Uh, I'll, I'll use him as an example for to begin with. You know when he started that? Whenever he was, whenever he uh, uh, died, and uh, I was trying to make arrangements for a funeral, and as far as he had been concerned, he probably didn't care whether he had one or not, but my grandmother did. And so for her benefit and her sake, we're trying to work out some arrangements to have a funeral service. And uh, uh, I asked the funeral director when they had found him, and he and they went and picked up the body. I said, uh, did he have anything? He said, well, we had to burn what clothes he had on him. They were, you wouldn't. And uh, uh, I said, anything else? And he said this, and he handed me a plastic bag, plastic bag with three things in it, a pair of fingernail clippers. My dad always had fingernails trimmed well. A pocket knife with every blade in it broke. <laughs> Probably used it for a screwdriver. And a wallet that he made while he was in prison at McAllister had his name on it. And that was all. Now, you know, Jesus said our life doesn't consist of the things that we possess in this life. I know that's true. But the reason he didn't have anything. The reason he didn't have anything. Now, you know, you know when, when this started? It started 40 years before. You know how it started? Hey, Gene, let's go get a. Let's go get a beer after work or after, out of school. He was a junior in high school, I think, whenever he started drinking, and that's where his education ended. Let's go get a drink. And so he would. Well, it wasn't long until he's picked up for drunk driving. My point is this. All down through this process, every problem that he ever had, every challenge, every difficulty had to do with alcohol that he, that he drank. Do you think whenever he somebody said, "Hey Gene, let's go get this, let's go get a beer," do you think anybody, do you think it went through his mind that you know what? I'm going to end up one of these days with a son that I really don't care about, that doesn't care about me, with grandkids that doesn't know me, and a broken home, with a prison record, jail time. The state of Oklahoma is saying they will not give me driver's license because of my record. Do you think he planned on that? No, he didn't plan on that. And so now I am talking to young people. Every time you're faced with a decision, every time you're faced with a decision in the area of right and wrong, you look at where it might can take you and lead you. One beer? Ah. I did one beer didn't do it. It was the starting of the process. And there wasn't a lot said to him about that at the time. It was said, well, Gene, you shouldn't do that, you know. And then the first Thanksgiving that we had, that he was in the county jail at El Reno, and my grandmother says, I'm not going to have a, a, a Thanksgiving meal here at our house while one of my sons is in jail. So my two uncles put their money together. This is way back in the early 50s, and come up with $15 to bail him out. I may not sound like much, but it was to them back then. And that was the starting of another process of getting him out of trouble and not allowing him to face up when he had to face up.
He forged checks on me after I got out of the service. And finally, one day, I said, I can't do this. I've watched my grandparents. I've watched my uncles and my aunts take care of him. I said, I'm not going to do this. I talked to my granddad, and I said, what do you, what do you? He said, don't do it. You don't have to. So I went to the bank, and I said, who is this fellow that forged your name? I said, it's my dad. And you're just going to let these checks? I said, yeah, that's not in, I can't do that. So I, they reimbursed my money. You know what I found out about several months later? After I left the bank, my granddaddy goes in and paid off, paid the bank back. For the, why'd they do that? Why'd he do that? Why'd my grandmother and granddad constantly do that to their son? Because they loved him and they cared a great deal about him. Was it the right thing to do? Shake your head no. It was not. Somewhere the line had to be drawn and made to be responsible for the decisions and choices that you make. I'm not saying that his problem, ultimate problem, was because of them. But their approach didn't didn't help it any. Romans chapter 8, 5 through 9. Didn't mean to get care of my family so much, but... For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And that's what it boils down to. If we want to help someone, or if we have a problem, that's where we've got to shift our focus in what we want. We want to focus on the spiritual things and not on things of the flesh. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. Goes against what he stood for, <clears throat> stands for. For it is not subject to the law of God, God, neither indeed can be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but they that are, excuse me, but, but you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Romans chapter 14, 7 through 9. Are we going to glorify the Lord with our decision? For none of us lives to himself, no man dies to himself. Whether we live, whether we die, we are the Lord's. Uh, whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the living and the dead. We live unto the Lord. We are the Lord's. As a Christian, and that's what happens, we belong to the Lord. If I've got an addiction to a drug, to a chemical, I'm not saying that becoming a Christian, being buried with our Lord in baptism, and making a commitment to follow Jesus Christ and to make Him the Lord over my life, that all of those desires and urges that I might have developed over a long period of time are not still issues, because they are issues. And the challenge is great. But it's, it still has to be met. There's no room, no place that I know of or anywhere where, where the Bible says, well, <laughs> that's the problem that you have, so therefore it makes it okay for you to go ahead and continue in that situation. Let's get to the spiritual level and some of the choices that we might make. This is something that's real to us. Supposing that we are, and I've been in this situation, I'm sure many of you have, we're offered an after-dinner cocktails or before dinner cocktails whenever they chose to have them if it's the natural level if it tastes good you're going to do it 
If it's the social level, everybody else is doing it, and you want to fit in, you're going to do it. You know, that family I was telling you about, my cousins that was like my brothers and sister, there was only one person that didn't drink in that group. And he died a couple of years ago. <laughs> as strange as it may seem, he died of cirrhosis of the liver and probably never took a drink. Never took a drink. Uh, but he would find himself in those kind of places, and I'd say, well, Mike, what did you do? How did you handle that? And he said, well, I'd just order water. And uh, most of the time, people just thought I had some kind of drink, but but uh, whatever. He said, I, just, I, I knew good and well if I ever started doing that, I'd be just like my two brothers and my sister. And I, I wasn't going to do that. Moral level. If it didn't threaten your moral standard, like I was telling you a while ago about the, the cancer drives that we were, we've been a part of, there's a guy that Margaret's worked with this fellow, and he has worked hard. He's probably Ada. Our community probably has led the state of Oklahoma in raising funds to fight cancer for the last 10 years because of work that he has done. Do you know what he would do when we'd have a relay and a fun drive? He'd go over to the trailer where he was at once he got things started and sit over there with the fifth of Jack Daniels and <laughs> usually have to sleep two or three hours to be able to make it out and close up the program at, at daylight whenever we would end the all-night uh, program that we would have. Worked hard at it, but again, he didn't see that that threatened his, uh, his moral standards, but he had some moral convictions. Hope that makes some sense to you. How about the spiritual level? Somebody said, well, now you said a while ago that it wasn't based on a list of do's and don'ts. That's, my, that's what I think. That's the way I look at this. So, how is it? Hmm. I don't know. I had not figured that out yet. <laughs> don't know. Spiritual level. Would the act be wrong? Ask yourself the question, would the act be wrong? You might say, well, we're talking about, let's say having a drink at a restaurant or something. You might say, well, no, I don't think that that would actually be wrong. Or maybe it was in somebody's home, okay? And you might be right. That, that, that may be true. The act itself might not be wrong. Somebody told me one time, a preacher told me one time, that he could prove from the Bible that, that drinking a, a drink was a sin and could send you to hell. Well, I do believe that that can happen. But I'm going to be real honest with you. I have difficulty finding a place in the Bible that teaches that. Now, having a drink, can it lead to another drink and another drink until a problem matter exists? Yes. And can that lead you to hell? Yes, it can. But be honest. Let's just be honest with the situation. Would the act itself be wrong? Another thing we might consider, how would it honor or dishonor Christ? what he stood for, and what my relationship with him is. Whatever the decision might be, and we're talking about in an area of right and wrong, if we want to focus on the spiritual level, we've really made that commitment to the Lord that we're going to follow him. And I've used, I've used alcohol and drugs, but there's a lot of other things that we talk about. Pornography, a lot of, a lot of things that we have going on in our society that so easily for people to be drawn into. How would it affect the spiritual well-being of another person? 
who might see me or might see how's that going to work? How would it affect the spiritual well-being of another person? Well, let's look and see what the Bible said. Romans chapter fourteen twenty-three: It's neither good to eat flesh, nor drink wine, nor anything whereby thy brother uh, stumbleth, <clears throat> stumbleth, or is offended, or is made weak. Hast thou faith? Have it thyself before God. Happy is he that condemneth not himself in that thing which he alloweth. And he that uh, doubteth is damned, if he eat, because he eateth not of faith. For whatsoever is not of faith is sin. He's talking about meat that was offered in sacrifice to idols. Is what he's dealing with here and, and, uh, and how that could have caused someone else to offend and become a part of idol worship. Whereby thy brother stumbleth. That's the key words that I want us to focus on in this reading. So we have a lot of choices in our life. The dress that we wear. Uh, that women adorn themselves in decent apparel using discretion, not with braided hair or gold or pearl or costly array or clothing, but that which is proper for women professing godliness and good works. I don't know what translation I pulled that from, but you get the idea. By the way, let me back up there just a little bit. Y'all got finger food later? I don't want to go too long here. Uh, Dress. Y'all heard of the dress barn? We're going to, uh, I was going to do a wedding down in Beaumont, Texas. Mark says, i got to have a dress. I said, well, we're going to pass a lot of these outlet malls. We'll stop and get you one. So we stopped at one somewhere and went into this place that said dress barn. And Margaret looked and looked and looked. She came over to me. She said, you know, they don't have a dress in here. I said, well, it's the dress barn. Sure they do. She's not a dress. I went over and looked with her and didn't have any dresses. They had skirts about that long. You know, everything was keyed to somebody much younger than my wife. Not that that she's old. She's not, you know. So I took the lady. I went over and got this lady. I said, come here with me. Just just for a minute. I think she thought I was going to beat her up. We walked outside on the sidewalk. I said, look at that sign. She said, what's wrong with it? I said, it says dress bar. She said, and? I said, you don't have any dresses. (laughs) <laughs> she and she wasn't too far from Margaret's age. She said, "I know. I'm sorry, but that's, you know, we we uh, try to sell to the to the clientele that we have." Hey, is that a problem? Well, it, you know, it, it is today in our society. Uh, the friends that we have. I don't know, Michael. You may remember whenever we grew up. I don't know if you ever noticed uh, our two daughters. Their dresses just kept getting longer and longer and longer until they were nearly dragging. Well, they did drag the ground sometimes. And that was because the style in the 70s was getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And I mean shorter. When you have two young men in a congregation that come to the elders and say, we would rather not be called upon to assist with passing the emblems at church. And they say, why? And he says, it's awfully hard to keep our mind on what we need to have our minds set on whenever we can almost see the girls' panties. As I know it doesn't sound very good. Whenever we pass the emblems down there, that's how short the dresses were getting. And Margaret's just about as stubborn a woman as you can get. And so she just kept making them for her, for our girls, and they just kept getting longer and longer and longer until they were, well, they call them maxi dresses, and that's what they pretty well had. I don't know if you remember that or not, Michael, but that was about, you're a little older than my girl, but not much. 
evil associations, corrupt good manners, the friends uh, that we associate is going to have to do with the choices that we make, behaviors. If we if if there's a problem, we need to let it go. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. Uh, and of course, we've talked enough about that. Do not mix with wine bibbers, for drunkards and gluttons shall have shall come to poverty. I think I've told you enough about that already. Uh, our choices and behaviors determine our happiness. We make the right choices in regards to the way we dress, our friends, the language that we use, the things that we choose to put in our body. We're going to have happiness in our life. I don't mean that we're going to be happy all the time. It doesn't mean that we're going to be able to keep every friend that we would like to keep. But it does mean that in the long run, we're going to ultimately be that much better off. But these same situations, and I could put the list much longer here, can create a lot of unhappiness for us if we make the improper decision. Evil associations corrupt good manners. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 through 7, and we'll close with this. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. Let's read this and think about our own self and the choices and decisions that we have or are and will be making. <clears throat> and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling Savior. But fornication, sexual immorality, fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. Christians, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, uh, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this we know that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, or covetous man who is an adulterer, hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be ye therefore not be not ye therefore protectors with them. It's simple. It's not hard. It's not rocket science. It's making a commitment, and it's living up with that. Now, granted, there's going to be those situations sometimes that we engage in or that people engage in, and they make a mistake. Well, what do you do? Well, you try to renew that. You try to renew yourself and confess your sin and pray to God that he'll help you. What can you do if you have a, an addiction where, where you just... Where, where maybe you've already been involved in that. Get a brother. Get somebody that you have admiration for that can help you, that can support you, that you can go to and talk to, or a sister that you can go to and talk to. One that will you can hold in confidence or they can hold in confidence, those things that you say. But address the problem. Don't let it just sit there dormant because it won't. It'll get worse. It's your choice. So what's our level of behavior? Lessons yours, a little longer than I intended to go. If we can help anyone in any way, we'll, uh, we'll give you an opportunity as we sing the invitation song. But I hope we've uh, had a study that in some way has helped and benefited you in some way. Uh, if you have a need to, to respond, do so while we stand and sing song select.